Hey everybody, welcome to this week's episode of the Liberty Squadron Podcast. My name is Andrew Lewinsky, and this week I'm joined with Jonathan Lee. Hello everybody. Brett Freeman. Hey everyone. And that's it. I didn't have nobody, we got nobody else this week. Um, I know it's been a little bit since we've recorded. We've been uh, busy doing some things, recapping from Acts and all that fun stuff. I'm sorry that we didn't get an episode out sooner. I know there's been a ton of content dropping. We're not going to get into everything. But we're definitely going to talk about the same things. Um, so right off the bat, first I want to thank everyone that made PAX happen. We had so much support um, from different communities throughout uh, the X-Men world. Send us stuff that was, uh, we had a prize wall. Um, if you were one of the places that did send us stuff, we will definitely be sending out um, thank you packets back to you guys uh, very soon. So keep an eye out for those. Uh, but like I said, I, I think it was a hit. People enjoyed the prize wall tickets. There was a, a lot of fun stuff that did go on. Um, we had about 60 people there that did participate. The um, it was a two-day event. I think it went off extremely well. Uh, the winner was Marek Marcinkiewicz. I believe that's how you pronounce the name. He's probably going to yell at me later if it isn't. Um, who flew a separatist uh, it was a little bit of a swarm. It was three of the fearsome uh, predators, right? The tri fighters. Yep. Uh, two of the vulture droids and Grievous. Uh, I've actually flown against them. It is a nasty list. Um, he he definitely handed me my butt when I did fly against them uh, in a previous tournament. He was flying the same list. Uh, so, it, it, like I said, it's definitely a nasty list. Uh, and then the runner-up was Tom Traz flying five strikers, was it? Five strikers and, and the bullseye tie fighter. Yes. Um, but, like I said, otherwise, it was, a, I, I think, a great success. Um, we had a, a bunch of people fly in, or not fly in, but uh, come in from different areas um, locally. Um we had guys coming out from New York. We had the guys coming out from Virginia. Uh, all that stuff. Um, Brett disappointed us and, you know, got all the way to top four and then lost. So By one point. Right. One, one point. I'm still not fully <laughs> over it. Yeah. Um, but like I said, I, you know, if, if things uh, keep going the way they are and uh, – and AMG doesn't get back to the scene that it used to be when uh, FFG with the system opens and stuff. We will be continuing to run events at PAX um, for a future time. So hopefully that becomes a tradition of this going down. So, uh, Brett, how, how do, you, you know, do you have anything to say about PAX? Uh, I thought you guys did a fantastic job running it. I heard nothing but positive things uh, from basically everyone who I, I met there and uh, it was just a very well-run tournament. We did the, the whole no MOV thing and uh, just X and one and, or better got into the cut. And I think that went over pretty well. I heard a couple people uh, saying, Hey, you know, I, I kind of wish we were doing MOV, but um, once we got to like round three and people's strength of schedule started being uh, a, a like drastically different i think people started to understand why we were doing it this way instead uh so now i thought 
you did a very good job. I have nothing but uh, positive things to say about the whole experience. Yeah, with, with saying that, I definitely want to thank Mike Bird. He um, was our head judge, um, he, and then he came out from the East Coast Gamer area, and uh, definitely did a tremendous job. Uh, so kudos to Mike. He, he was fantastic. Uh, he nailed down all the rules and made sure that everything was uh, good. And uh, make sure he was attentive, especially with the, uh, the final tables. He he was right there, making sure everything uh, was up to par. So uh, definitely thank Mike. He, you know, definitely try to use him uh, for future events. You know, that we have coming up and all that fun stuff. He didn't get frustrated um, with me one time, and I had him do so many moves. Like there were just so many little bumps, and I would. I it got to the point where my default was just Mike. Can you can you just do this, please? Um, you know, I felt bad, but it's better than, uh, it potentially getting screwed up, I guess. Yeah. 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 Definitely a, uh, master of his craft, but, uh, your prizes, by the way, were just fantastic. I heard so many compliments to your prizes. I can't wait to use them. Uh, I don't remember any type of community tournament having the kind of prizes that, that you, uh, you made for this. So, you know. Just a complete kudos to you. You were really the the mastermind behind this whole thing, and I think you pulled it off uh, flawlessly. Well, thanks, Brent. It's a uh, part of the community, and like I said, I mean, I, I have to thank everyone that you know did donate uh, any kind of other press support from uh, in, in the area. Like I said, I, I think we had a vision, and I think we nailed it. So, I mean, um, hopefully next year we get to do the same thing, and. Uh, it becomes a like a little tradition. So, um, oh, and and I like that the top four were all localish people. That was, I mean, we <laughs> had some big names there, and and uh, I thought we all represented. Yeah, definitely. Uh, that's funny because like it was like we had a little bit of a rivalry going on now, where it's like uh, this tri-state area between Pennsylvania, Jersey, New York. Um, I think it's really kind of. Forming up nicely. <laughs> I know Brent's obsessed with uh, teams in this area, and it really is an interesting aspect of this, what we have in, in uh, this area of X-Wing that like, we're kind of like far enough from each other that we don't get to play each other all the time. But then when we do get to uh, you know, go to events like this, it's, it's really cool to see like, almost like the camaraderie of, of the different... Um, I guess like stores and organizations that we we have in, in this, uh, like I said, like basically like the tri-state area. And I mean, honestly, like all the groups just perform really well. Like the KFC guys had, I think, four people who made the cut. Uh, like that's a a pretty great showing. We had two Liberty Squadron people. Uh, there was, I think, two NYC people, two crates. Like it was a very. Uh, diverse group as far as uh who was performing well so that makes it even more fun it's not just one group that's dominating everyone great and uh we do have some extra stuff from packs that um just going back to uh, the prize support we have patreons that we still need to get prize support out to we have um different supporters that we will be getting stuff out to so anyway back to what i was saying um no, no, uh, like I said, the, the area is great, and, and I, I, we're hoping to really kind of grow some of these rivalries, and um, hopefully in the future we will uh, 
get to really maybe next year we, we can change formats uh, because we have new rules that we're going to be talking about coming up and um, maybe next year we could be looking at packs to be something completely different than just a standard 200 point dogfight uh, that we did this year. Um, all right, anything else you guys want to mention about packs? No, I nope. only heard good things. I know, Jonathan, maybe next year you can make, join us. Yeah, next year. And oh, to promote Mike Bird, he does have a tournament coming up, doesn't he? He does on <clears throat> the, uh, I want to say the 29th of January. And I think there's still about 10 slots left uh, for that tournament at East Coast Gamers, which is, uh, we've said it many times before, always a fantastic time with great prize support. So uh, everyone should go. Everyone should go. Cool. Okay. So next, like I said, we had a lot of content drop. We're not going to be going over everything. Um, it, I'm sure if you're listening to our podcast, you've probably are already aware of all of the stuff that is happening. Uh, we have the Gauntlet Fighter uh, with Baby Yoda and the Mandalorian and whatever coming out very soon. Um, we also have the Gauntlet Fighter that has been, they've been trickling us information here and there for it. We also have the, um, what is it, the Pride of Mandalore pack? Or it's yeah, Pride of Mandalore. Fighter um, been just trickling information now. So, like, we've got, AMG is bringing us content. Um, I'm really excited about, I think the thing I'm most excited about is the Gauntlet Fighter. The Pride of Mandalore, I'm a little bit excited for it, but I'm really excited to get this gauntlet fight on the table. I think it just looks awesome. All the uh, previews that they've been doing, all the uh, like leaks that they've been doing, it, it just looks like it's going to be awesome. Um, yeah. I, I think the, the dial is good. I think all like the, the fact that it is a uh, multi-faction ship and that they're giving you all the stuff right off the bat, I, I think it's going to be a really good uh, direction for the game. Now, I'm assuming this is all still a lot of uh, under FFG's jurisdiction um, that they had all this planned, but uh, uh, I think that the, in my mind that that this nothing is wrong about this ship at the moment. So, like, I notice it is ginormous. Like, it's wider than the Ghost by a good margin. And it looks like, and it comes on one of those epic pegs. Yeah, just looking it's, at the it's image. just a massive model. <laughs> I mean, uh, you and, have, it, and it goes up and down, which is cool. I mean, you have to have it on that epic peg. Otherwise, no other ship would be able to come anywhere close to it. And when people are running three of these, it's going to... It's gonna be a bump fest. So it's kind of funny because like a lot of if you look at like I mean, granted, I'm sure you could probably run named ones, but I I feel like there's like a couple of the generics that have the pips on them that uh, you can't just run a generic swarm of these. Right. I think the only generic that does not have a pip is the scum generic. I think everything else we've or all the other ones we've seen so far do have a pip. Uh, so. Right, I don't think there's just going to be three of them being run all the time, but uh, if you can fit three, I'm sure someone's going to. Right, and the other thing is, is like the just the amount of like cross faction, um, cross faction 
crew members that are coming out with it, cross and pilots that are coming out with it. It, it, it just looks really neat. Yeah, it seems like such a, a smart uh, like decision by AMG slash FFG, whoever did it, to to really make sure the entire player base is going to buy you know, at least one of your $50 products here. Um, the, that was always kind of a problem where, you know, there's a possibility that only, you know, one out of seven people was going to play whatever faction it is that you're releasing something. And now they really uh, solved that problem. It seems like. So. Right. And, and I, I, I'm curious to see how this is going to inf- influence maybe like future packs that we have two things coming out now. I mean, it looks like the Razor Crest is going to be scum only, but um, it looks like there's also uh, upgrade cards that are going to be cross faction in there. But um, yeah, we know the child yeah. at least is is cross faction, right? But like I said, I mean, uh, I'm curious if this will influence uh, future things. So it's like the Pride of Mandalore has five different faction labels on the front of it, so it's it's kind of like uh, now. Granted, this is just a card pack that is coming out. But I think at the same time, um, it's really interesting to see that like you're going to be putting out stuff like this that like is available for everyone. It's not just some almost like a waste for you know where like before it was just you would buy something that you're never going to play, but it had the auto thrust sentiment. You know, um, it, it'll be interesting to see if this really does uh, influence for future packs. Yep, and I certainly hope it does. I always thought like that having a multi-faction ship. I mean, it's neat. I remember when what was it? What was the oh the Skurg back in first edition sure. when they yeah they just uh, put in like Rebel Captain Nim, just made it. Uh, yeah. It was just it was really like that was the first time they did it, and I thought it was super interesting when they did that. So and it was just know. Captain Nim too, wasn't it? It wasn't yeah. even like it was like. So oh, you know, we were talking about uh, so if. Um, if they went, if when they re-release the um, Lambda shuttle, they could do a shuttle Tiderium Chewbacca pilot, just like one in there. Yeah, just an idea for scenario play. I wouldn't be bad. You know, just mix things up a little bit, like so you wouldn't have like like five Rebel like shuttle Tideriums, but maybe you have put one Chewbacca card in, and it's only legal for certain scenarios. So he, so he's not he doesn't become like meta defining. I mean, you think she's just supposed to be in on like every ship because, because well, why not? And I mean, they they give her with a bunch of different all pilots for it that clearly makes sense. Um, but no, I, I, I get what you're saying. I think I think definitely if there's some kind of lore behind it, it might make sense. Even if it is for something like scenario play, I think that'd be really cool. Uh, as far as the gauntlet fighter um do you want to talk about that for a second um i'm not sure how i feel about this ship yet it, i the, feel like it's, you mean the razor not the crest? Gauntlet, sorry the razor crest thank you um i'm not sure about exactly how i feel about this ship just yet i feel like it's different than what i'm used to seeing and i feel like it's something that like I, I think it's very thematic that it looks like it's a ship that wants to take damage or will be taking damage, but also will be repairing damage. It will be basically um, basically, I guess, 
relying on like stress and damage being taken and like i know my mindset is like i don't want to take damage you know i i'm going to lose that half points and stuff like that even though right around the corner we know scenario plays coming in none of that could even matter so um i'm a little uncomfortable it brings me a little bit out of my uh comfort zone so uh, i'm curious what you guys think I mean, I think it's a like a medium-based jouster of which Scum has multiple other options. Although I don't to say have either the Mist the Mist Hunter has not been has that been released for second edition. It has not. Okay, so the Mist Hunter and the Skurg and the Kimagila all sort of fit that medium base, like you know, ten-ish hit points, three attack die, you know, doesn't evade well, meant to take damage kind of thing. So it fits into a sort of crowded space but in um future play when um the standard format doesn't include only include second edition content it'll be by itself as that medium-based jouster that and the fire spray yeah oh and the fire spray yeah sorry yeah well the fire spray just feels really different i guess that back arc and how speedy it is and the boosting yeah this can definitely be significantly cheaper like this feels more like a um like an arc you know in that slower slower like not as nimble as a fire spray mm -hmm. the dial on this thing is also really yeah. kind of interesting where it has the red stop but also the 5k so uh i mean it's gonna be hard to to necessarily pin this thing down um we know the blue maneuver sucks since they're just the one through four straight, but um, I agree it's kind of a crowded space, but I think it, it it's going to be at least fun. It's certainly, you know, one of the most recognizable ships right now, and um, I, I'm a big fan of this uh, this title card that they have on it, too, so um, where they're, they're kind of giving you, like, a sideboard for illicit slots. I think that's going to be... Uh, a neat space for them to to explore so i think it looks fine i'm not super excited about it and i just think it's so outclassed by like the excitement we all have for the gauntlet fighter that uh it's it's a little sad that it's getting overshadowed so much well like uh, i mean i think it's crowded but we know the black box um format's coming so it's kind of like it's might not be that crowded at the moment. I mean, it, we're talking the Kimagila is not reprinted, the Skurg's not reprinted, um, so like it, it might have a nice space coming into um, the standard format at least. It might, but like, um, how cheap can it really be? Like the the generic fire spray is already down the sixty two, and like I, I don't know, I can't think of any reason why I would take this over the fire spray. That's true i mean i mean i think price wise it'd be more comparable to like a mist hunter i don't even know how much those are now uh so, so it, like 41 for for the generic so yeah if uh, it's if it's 20 points cheaper then i i totally agree i think it's got its its own space there but with that, right that and agility I mean, is you know should be worth a decent amount. Sorry, Andrew. Right, no, 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 you're, you're right. I mean, like, I, I think it, it might sit, like, as a different... I mean, I'm assuming this is going to have two crew slots. Um, 
I could be wrong about that. So like that would be interesting to see if it has like two crew slots as a media base. Um, that could open up a whole, I think, thing of possibilities too. Um, but yeah, yeah, what's sitting behind the two green dice? I also think it's. I think it, no matter what, it's going to have playability. I mean, based just off of the pilots, I, I think. Um, granted, now, like you said, I mean, like the generics, it might not replace them as far as the, um, unless there's a huge points difference. But I, I think at the same time, it's still going to have some kind of definite playability. Mm -hmm. um, and, and going back to, circling back to what you're saying about the, uh, the, uh, the illicit sideboard with the title. Uh, I, I definitely like that too. I mean, like that's something that AMG has hinted before that the um, sideboard is something that they were like definitely testing where I also think this is really kind of cool because then like you could just have all your illicits out and you can look at your opponent's list and then during setup you can be like, okay, well this round I know I'm not going to need a, you know, contraband. I'd rather take uh you know, something else, like, I might want to take a... I, I don't even know what you would take over. Um, like, overtuned modulators or... Uh, rig cargo. Something else. Yeah, like, rig cargo. Like, you know, so, something along those lines. Like, uh, I think it's a really neat aspect. Um, and does it bypass the points value of it? Yeah, so it seems yeah. like it's free. I mean, yeah, that sounds really awesome. Especially... especially... I imagine it's also going to have an, its own illicit slot. I imagine. Sure. Um, I could be wrong. But then it just be neat to really surprise your opponent because you reveal it, that system phase of that round, to be like, surprise, I have dead man switch. <laughs> like, right. You know, and then uh, like you could, or they, it's always in their head that maybe you have this or maybe you have that, you know? Well, I think, I think you, uh, do you, Reveal that you, what card you're putting in on um during the system phase. Okay. So you like you pick a turn, right? I assume like you pick a system phase. That's what I would think too. I thought it was. Oh, okay. I think it was during setup. You had to pick what card. Oh, was. you you pick what card during setup, uh, but you don't reveal you until until right, a given okay. system. Uh, I wasn't sure if you had to reveal or show them what card you're putting, but I, I guess it makes sense. Yeah. So then they can sp they spend the whole game wondering what's under there. Like if you have like a I don't know like a feedback array or something like, that, I think that I'm not gonna lie that would be like the card to go to like this feedback array and you're just gonna be uh you might need it that one time that you're bumping and that I assume too yeah <laughs> yeah like you, I think the mind games could be fun definitely I will say not to talk too much about them I do think the crew options are kind of mostly disappointing in this pack though at least the ones we've seen so far i'm i'm hoping there's maybe something that they have uh not shown us yet because i'm not particularly impressed with any of these i don't know if you guys yeah disagree. i mean I, I think that's i think that's kind of what i was kind of like alluding to a little bit is that like it, it almost feels like a little bit out of my comfort zone that um I'm not like I, I don't see anything that I really like and like I, I'm seeing things that I'm kind of like I don't even know if I would actually do this or like 
if I'd ever want to do this. But then, I, like I said, I think at the same time, um, the game could drastically change in like a couple of weeks when, like you know, we do see scenarios and I'm like, oh, this is really good on this. Thing. Yeah, it is definitely possible. I, I mean, well, a couple of them always seem like Chewbacca esque, where you just like repair this card, but blah 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 blah. Um, it, 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 like I said, it, it feels like it, it's a card, like a, a ship that is going to be taking damage, and it's going to thrive when it's taking damage, and that just feels unnatural to me. Um, but that—that's just my take on it. Any other things you guys want to talk about about new content coming out before we probably argue of what we think about rules? How many are you buying? Of how many Gauntlet fighters are you buying, Andrew? I think at least two. Yeah. I'm gonna start at two. <clears throat> yeah, I'm getting two as well. Like, I feel like I need to have one painted, so then I need at least two. So if I paint one in rubble colors, then I need another one that's non-rubble colored. So. I mean, I'm not going to lie. I'm also really excited about re- running Rebel Fang Fighters. <laughs> yeah, I need to get... I, I need one painted. So, yeah, I, I'm excited for Rebel Fang Fighters, and I think... Uh, I'm not sure. I, I haven't looked to see how many cards come in each of those packs, but if I need to buy two of those packs just to run a bunch of Rebel Fang Fighters... Well, isn't, that... Fen, isn't Fen the only Rebel Fang Fighter? Oh, I thought they had a generic yeah, I think, Fang I think they have a... Uh, a generic that we think is going to be two pips. Okay, oh, but yeah. even still. Oh my goodness! I love Fang Fighters and I love Rebels. You just made my day. <laughs> you have to get back so, your, yeah. your missing Fangs and get them repainted now. <laughs> well, I actually i I am missing like four Fangs, but I do have like seven. Like here, I own like <laughs> other than Thai, I think Tie Fighters are the only ship I own more of than Fang Fighters. So you know, and we are actually wrong. There are three unique pilots and then a generic. Uh, Rebel Fang. So there's going to be plenty of Rebel oh. Fang options for you. Where, all right, where do you see that? I On the back of the Pride of Mandalore box. Oh. <laughs> so you did, you did. And it comes with a five ship right. dial, so it actually would make sense, yeah, for the uh, the Rebel Fang fighter to potentially have a two-pip on there. And then you, you have the dials for, I guess, all f- five options there. I don't know. Sounds uh, so, sounds fun. I mean, I've always been a rebel player. This is really what's going to really get me out. Uh, uh, you know, it, it, it's really kind of funny because I'm not a fan of the Mandalorian or Royal Guard. Um, these scum Fang fighters in there. Yeah, so it like... seems weird, right? Like, <laughs> I don't understand it. Why is yeah, it existing? They, you know, they probably just needed a new. You know, they needed a something. I don't know. Hmm. Yeah. But uh, like I said, I, I think that's what I'm most excited about is getting uh, those fan, Rebel Fan Fighters on the table. Um, I think there might be some really cool combinations um, that come with that into the Rebel. And it's funny because like, that, just that alone could really uh, change up the Rebel faction a lot, especially if they, they go with the Gauntlet Fighter um, eventually coming into the Rebel faction too. Um, it's been so long since they've really kind of had anything new. It'll be interesting to see that. Yeah, they, you know, except for that whole Phoenix Cell pack that changed the game for a while. Yeah, I mean, 
it was it, it wasn't new ships though. That's right? that's true. Yes. Re- yeah, rebels haven't had a new ship since the um, Sheathapid. Right, and I mean, like, granted, like the um, I should have read it's been out for a bit, but I mean, like, just being able to combination different ships with it now might be interesting. All right, let's talk about rules. Everyone's favorite topic. <laughs> the world, the sky is falling. The sky is falling. Um, so, uh, we know that the rules are being finalized, and we know that they're changing the working points. And hopefully, by the end of this month, they will be out, and we will see what everything. I mean, there, there's so much that is going on with this. Uh, this just general area that it, 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 it's a lot to take in and it's kind of like I know we're all like oh you know they're changing this and they're changing that and it's like why didn't they just wait until the very end but it's kind of like when you really think about it there's so much that's going on that like we're really almost in a new edition of the game I know they're calling it a very calling it two points that but I think at the same time um, with, with so much going on they're kind of just trickling us this content instead of just being like, here's a new rule book, you know, figure it out then. So, I mean, like, like I said, yeah, there is a lot. There are only giving us certain information, but I mean, like there are still things that we don't know about that are going to be coming out. Like as far as tournament rules and tournament pricing and stuff like that, round counters, um, all that fun stuff. So it, it is a lot to take in. Um, and, Maybe they were smart by trickling it out, even though everyone's kind of like, why didn't they just do it all at once? But um, it, I think at the same time, it's it, it's definitely changing the game, and we'll have to really put everything on the table. And um, let's start going over like the different things that they've kind of talked about on the stream. Um, so one of the things that is really big, that is probably the biggest change to the game that's going to change the game completely is the scenario play. Uh, now, I, I know Granite, um, one of the scenarios, I believe they said there's going to be four scenarios in um, in competitive play, and one of those being uh, basically 200-point dogfighting is going to be in, uh, still in the game, so it's kind of like it's not changing too, too much. But I think at the same time, with those three other scenarios going on, I think this is a really different like momentum for the game that people aren't going to know. They're going to have to like relearn things. They're going to have to really um, figure things out. And, and the other thing, the cool thing that I like about this is that it sets a rotation. So, like, I mean, Brett, we were talking about um, like one of the last episodes where they're talking about like. They might not have to change points as much um, to balance because the balance isn't going to be about dogfighting. It's going to be about these scenarios. So I, I think that'll be interesting where, like, you know, if something does really kind of, like, uh, break the game or if there's a complete, absolute, like, dumpster fire or something, they could just be like, okay, that scenario is out. This one's it. Um, and and I, I think it's a very interesting aspect of the game. And, like, We've seen it with 
your favorite quote, right? Oh, there's minis, minis games, right? And, and um, I know it's something that FFG kind of fiddled around with, but never really kind of got down to. But it's 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 definitely something. So, I mean, what do, what do you guys think about scenarios coming? So I really like the, the scenarios, and I don't think we can really talk about the scenarios without also talking about uh, the change in scoring that they're going to do, which directly correlates to the scenarios, where now, right, it's just a 200-point a dogfight. What the game is going to be moving forward is uh, you play to get 20 points. Um, so if you capture an objective, for instance, in the objective capture scenario, uh, at the end of that turn, you get one point of the 20 that you need. Um the points are also tied to your, your ship value. So if you destroy a ship, you take the point value there and divide it by 10, and that's how many points you get for it. Um, it, it rounds up, but that doesn't matter right now. So if you kill a 50-point ship, you get 5 of your 20 points right there. Uh, so essentially they're making it that objectives can be a huge part of your your you know 200 points that you're trying to get to win the game. Um, you know, Just even being close to an objective at the end of round 1 is essentially the same as killing 10 points in your opponent's list right now. So they really did, I think, uh, a, a good job of incentivizing those early engagements, which is kind of what they said they were trying to do. They want more engagements, and they want them happening quicker, it sounded like. So I think uh, they kind of really nailed the the goal that they were going for here. And uh, I was I left the scenario part of this discussion feeling... Uh, a lot more enthused than I than I did even coming into it because uh, the scenarios didn't seem like they were gonna take too much away from the game. They sort of seemed to uh, just maybe dictate the positioning that you're gonna have in the game, uh, which is is fine. Like anyone who's tried Legion, like one of the cool things about it is there's a bunch of different deployment cards. Uh, so so the games aren't just you lining up in your own corner. Sometimes there's entirely different strategies you have to do based on what cards you have. And these sort of seemed like they were doing the same thing, where uh, maybe you're going to be engaging from uh, less advantageous positions than you would do in just a straight dogfight, um, but in ways that are going to get you more of those uh, points you need to hit your 20-point threshold. Uh, yeah, okay. There's one other thing that I do when you brought up uh, tournament structure. One of the things, I mean, so we know that there is four scenarios in play right now, right? Correct. Tournaments are probably going to be four rounds. Like, I don't see, like, I mean, obviously this is going to be a cut. But tournament days are going to be, like, four rounds. Then the cut resets to randomly drawing out their scenarios again. Um, like, I, I don't see you going and you know them doing possibly the same scenario twice uh so i i think that's going to be a different thing that um people might not be used to so like the amount that you have to uh score in these different rounds could be completely different um the other thing is like list building with this like if we're playing four different scenarios in a tournament day, you're going to have to like really figure out, like, I mean, we don't know if there's going to be any kind of uh sideboard yet or anything like that, but it's like, you're really going to have to kind of like cater your list to be like, if I get the scenario, is it going to be a complete wash or am I going to have to hope that I get a good matchup? 
maybe like different like stuff like that. So uh, it's really like the aspect of the game is kind of like, completely different as well. Yeah, the whole list building uh, strategy is is gone, right? It's it's a whole different uh, world now as far as that goes. And I right, you're gonna have to be in that that situation where um, am I gonna take a list that has a an okay shot at winning? all four of the scenarios or, or maybe one that has a, a really good chance of winning, uh, you know, two to three of them. And then I'm going to perhaps punt on the fourth one or hope for a good matchup. Uh, it's going to be kind of a fine balancing act that we're all going to have to learn how to do. Right. And, and like, it's, it's interesting. Cause like coming from playing Imperial assault, like I'm a little bit used to this kind of thing. Like I've seen this happen before where like, I mean, having to, really look at like each individual scenario and like being like, okay, I have a purpose for this ship in every single scenario. Um, whereas it, it's not just going to be like, you know, dogfighting where it's just like, okay, I, I can hit and run and like, that's it. Um, so it, it's going to be like just in the aspect of all of that. Like I really think it's completely different. And, um, it's as simple as, you know, them taking two scenarios out and then uh, throwing two new scenarios in. It's going to completely change people's lists and uh, do different things. So uh, I'm a little bit excited about it. Excited about it. And um, I'm excited, but I got to say, I am apprehensive. Like, I I feel like I kind of have an idea how to play this dogfighting game. And I don't think I have any idea right now how to play this objective type game. Uh, so I, I think it's going to be a very different skill set for everyone. No, it definitely is. And like, that's what I'm a little bit excited about, especially because like right now we all look at the game and say like, okay, you know, I want to, uh, I, I want to find the best list that suits me and everything like that. And it's like when they, as soon as they make like a simple rotation or even the first time, kind of time that they uh, show us the, or get all the scenarios in, it's going to be like a whole new world of I need to practice this scenario. I need to find what's good in this scenario. And I need to, instead of just going to the table and being like, uh, you know, let's, let's fight. Let's, you know, get over with it's, it's If you're like a competitive player, which I know a lot of us are, it's going to require a little bit of, um, the coordination to like really kind of like practice like the different, uh, scenarios and, nail them down because um i i think that like it's 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 just a completely different ballgame so dan taylor like, wins I, the next I mean, worlds right <laughs> i would not be surprised i mean uh like i said i mean like like coming from a lot of imperial assault stuff like it's it's hard to balance lists um that can be good in every scenario like and like like you said, right? Like I mean, like it could come down to being like, you know, am I just gonna punt this round, or am I going to try to find a suitable replacement that might, uh, you know, be good? But yeah, like, don't you think they kind of uh, nailed it though? Like based on what their their stated objective was for for making these changes, I like. There's there's been a lot of criticism. I mean, I think it's from a vocal minority personally, but uh, I. I don't know. It really seems like they exceeded expectations, in my opinion. 
So uh, I, I, I do have to say one thing that I think it's a very, very fine line that um, now granted, like uh, I think they, they have the power to just be like, okay, we're going to scrap this because we don't like it. But like I said, I think it's also a very fine line of them being like uh, a, being really good or really bad. And like there's going to be scenarios that just suck. That people aren't going to like. And I think AMG is going to just have to take that on the chin to be like, you know, uh, you know, there's going to be like a specific rotation um, to be like, are we just going to take out a certain thing or is it going to be like, okay, in two months, this one's out and a new one comes in. Um, and, and, like, if a new one comes in that people just don't like, that sucks, that, like, completely demolishes lists, then um, where's AMG that they're going to be, like, uh, getting a lot of lot more bad press? Like, I would imagine that, like, let's say, like, they take, like, dogfighting and uh, make that the, the very last one to come out of rotation. And uh, maybe when that comes out of rotation, it's when they're really going to like catch them that catch all the criticism mm-hmm. yeah if, if they ever take it out if they ever take it out but I, I would imagine it's like might flirt with it how do you feel about uh, scenarios Jonathan I think it sounds good we've been playing 206 uh, for a long time, so it's nice to change things up. I think that all the previous scenarios, like all the things that have been included in like, you know, expansions and stuff, never really took hold. And even that, like, um, that box, that little, you know, I forget what it was called. There's that set that had some ex- scenarios in it. You know, Ace is High. Other than Ace is High, nothing like, like took hold. And I think making it part of, uh, organized play is what's required to make to get it to really click. No, so I'm a fan. Uh, I think it'll be good. All right. Uh, anything else about scenarios before? Sounds like we all agree. All right, right. What do you let's talk about obstacles? Oh man, they changed everything with obstacles. They, they, uh, they rightly recognize that um, once you get experience with the game you realize that oftentimes the correct strategy is to just completely ignore the obstacles because the downside to them are pretty minor as opposed to the positional advantage you get so they're just you know beefing them all up giving them all steroids and making the obstacles extremely scary now uh so i i think we just need to talk about what the the three different ones are going to do uh for an asteroid you automatically suffer damage and then you roll an attack die and on a hit or a crit, suffer another damage. On a debris, uh, it's almost the same as it is now. You take a stress, it's just now on a hit or a crit, you suffer damage. Uh, so that one's gone from a, a one-eighth chance of getting a damage to a 50% chance. And then a cloud, they've uh, they've changed this a lot. Uh, first, all locks get broken. Then you gain a strain token. Then you roll an attack die. And on a hit, you get one ion token. And on a crit, you get three ion tokens. So for a small base ship, you have a 50% chance of being ionized right there. But you do also have the benefit of breaking all of the locks that are on you. Um, 
So it's it's kind of a, a an interesting, very big risk to maybe avoid that massive torpedo volley or something along those lines. Uh, so they made them all very, very scary, but uh, there are benefits or or you know downsides, I guess, to to taking all three of them now. And I think that that's really good. Like I don't know about you, I'm really scared of the thought of going over an asteroid because. That could be half points on, you know, an A-wing right there. Um, and, you know, the, the ionized part of a cloud, like, that's the ultimate, uh, like, risk-reward type situation. So, I don't know. I, they're, they're very big changes, but I think that they are, again, very good ones, and they recognize, uh, you know, kind of a loophole that the community has, you know, developed in the, the strategy from how it was originally made. Yeah, I, I definitely I agree with you there. Um, it's going to take some getting used to. Uh, we'll talk about south bumping and stuff for a second, um, in a, in a second. But um, it's really kind of like they like upped the damage. So I mean, like maybe like looking at the game as developers, like one of the things was that like even though, like, you know, probably senior players probably were barely ever hitting rocks or anything like that, but, like, when you do hit it, like, um, it, it's more of a damage race, and, like, they're looking for ways to increase damage um, on the board, so it, it is interesting to see that they're doing it. I'm not opposed to it. Like I said, I think I'm just going to have to relearn everything, and mm-hmm. I know as soon as what I'm playing again, I'm going to be like, oh, what does this thing do again? I'm like, yeah, there goes the show. But, um, it, it might Change definitely some things that, like, you know, before I'd just be like, okay, whatever, I'm going over this, I don't care. Now it's going to make me double guess it. So, yeah, I mean, I can't complain about it. And there's, I guess, two extra points um, I should have made. First is that now no ship can attack well on an asteroid debris or gas cloud. Um, And if they are over it, they skip their perform action step. But if they've moved all the way through the obstacle but are no longer currently on it, then they can take an action as long as they're not stressed. Uh, so for the the asteroid, for instance, you can just, you know, fly through that thing and still get an action potentially where, um, you know, now that's, that's not currently a, a thing. And you also can't just, you know, sit on a debris cloud and, and shoot someone. Again, you know, they've, they've taken that away. So... Uh, a lot of changes made. Sorry, go ahead, Jonathan. I know I cut you off. Uh, no, it's all right. So, uh, no, I agree. I think it was a good change. I remember back at that pre their first stream where they were playing that sample game. Um, one of the developers had cas- had flown through a, a rock and then took an action and then made a reference for it to be like the new rule. And I remember not liking that, <clears throat> the idea that you could still have an action after flying across a rock. But I think they made the debris and asteroids and clouds punitive enough that uh, I don't mind that you can focus after flying through an asteroid because they are <clears throat> quite punitive now. And I like it. I think uh, it's too easy before. You know, I think uh, some of the e- like the things that we do in second edition, I don't know. Still not a huge fan of, but uh, you know. But I think this is a step in the right direction, so I do like it that it makes you really wary of rocks and such. Um, do you know, Brett? Did they talk about um, 
if you fly over debris, do you still can you still do an action? I nope. mean, when does that stress come? No, they say so no? yeah, it would be the same timing window. So you would not be able to, to do the action if you do a debris cloud, hmm. right? Because otherwise, yeah. that would just be the I think the clear go to because it's uh, it, it seems less punitive, or compared to the other ones at least. Yeah, and then. Um... Yeah, I imagine anything that lets you ignore clouds and ignore debris will be great. Or uh, obstacles like Dash or whoever. And Rebel Han, not uh, too concerned about the uh, the gas cloud change. So, kind of okay with that. Yeah, I mean, I think it's fine. Um, like I said, I'm just going to have to relearn everything. Just on what it does and then... Uh, uh, I'm not opposed to it. Um, it's funny because, like, I was I was thinking about that though with the the actions. Like, I mean, like, there, there's still probably going to be times that like you do take that uh, risk of going over the asteroid and getting that uh, focus when you're taking shots. <laughs> like, uh, I'm curious to see if it would be. Uh, uh, there's obviously going to be scenarios where like that could be the. Uh, decision to do if you have to like get an objective or something like that um but yeah it's definitely something that uh i don't hate but uh at the same time um it's completely no um with that being said tractoring you can have all the tractor ships on top of an obstacle um otherwise everything about tractoring has stayed the same that would probably put things way too uh strong at the moment um Let's go over overlapping. So this is a little tricky, tricky and I, I, I'm a little shocked that they did this. Um, but if it, you have two different options now when you um, overlap things. On the, if you overlap a friendly ship, you roll a die, hit a crit, you take a face down damage, and you uh, skip the perform action step. So I'm assuming that goes right under your shields, too. That doesn't even happen. Uh, no, so shield. I think they clarified in the chat that it's just you take a regular damage. Um, oh, just take a damage. Yeah, it's just it's not going to ever be a crit. So yeah, and then if uh, if you bump into an enemy ship, if you are not stressed, you may perform the uh, focus or calculate whenever you um whenever you're spending on your card. And then if you hit if you were to collide into both at the same time, I believe that it is um. Considered your, you hitting your friendly ship, and then uh, this is the one thing that I think is a little bit tricky about this. That is, all, it only checks the last ship you'd hit at the end of the template, not who you technically collided into. So, like, I, I imagine, say, like, this is something that, like, I'm curious if this is like something that could be taken advantage of. If, like, let's say you um, are moving first, and and directly in front of you, there is one of your own ships and at the end you dial in a two and at the end of the two um straight is an enemy ship so you technically bump your own ship but your end of your template would collide into the enemy ship would that count as colliding into the enemy ship or your own ship well you said the end of the template is over the enemy ship so it'd be the enemy ship right right so i mean i i guess yeah, so then you would be able to roll the dice if you're uh, to see if you can focus or calculate, right? 
Like that's how I'm interpreting it. Well, you don't even need to roll the dice, right? Like you just you can just do it. Um, now, and I do think you need to add that it's, uh, you gain a stress after doing that. So it's essentially like a red focus or calculate action, um, which makes it a lot more consequential. I mean, like you still don't want to like you taking that stress, especially in a head on scenario. That means you can't turn around next turn. Right. Exactly. Where like your opponent could, if they're not stressed. So it puts them at a big advantage. So still. I mean, I see why they do it, because you can imagine a scenario where you fly in like a big bait, like a gauntlet fighter, and you fly it right in front of your opponent's list and your entire, you make the opponent's entire list like traffic jam against each other, and you could like inflict damage on like all their ships if they like bumped in the right way. Like say you flew in front of um, like a group of strikers or a tie swarm, and then they all like slam into each other. You could like inflict damage all over the place. But like it means that if you're if you um if you plot your moves so that you don't hit your own ships, then you're not gonna be penalized. Like you won't take the more heavily heavy penalty of uh so like hitting your own ships is a much heavier penalty than hitting an enemy ship. So if you plot your moves correctly, then you're not gonna risk that. You would only it would be more, right, right. Uh, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I'm not explaining it well. <laughs> right, yeah, and like so, like it's, it's an interesting. Um, I feel like there's going to be a lot of. All right, we have to mark all these ships, put the template down, and see where our like when they say that like uh, if your ship hits both things, I'm curious if like you're going to have to like put the template down, then put your ship to where it placed, and see how many ships overlap at where it would be placed, and if one of your ships is anywhere overlapping that spot that you would have landed that counts as hitting your own ship so um i'm curious if that's how uh, i'm envisioning it if that's how it's actually going to work um but otherwise i mean it's not something that i was definitely not ever thinking they would add to the game and that but i think at the same time it's not something i hate because i think that again what we were talking about is uh picking up the speed of the game and like as long as i've been in the game something like even like lambda shuttles and probably the beginning of the gauntlet and how many times have we seen fortressing where um that stuff like where you have a ship self-bumping and then it goes um something at the same initiative level goes it it really kind of like ends all of that unless you know you really want to be taking damage in your own ships um so uh, I think it's very smart that they did it this way. Like I think you know their end intent was to not have to take uh, ships, um, you know, mis- making mistakes and stuff like that. Where or, like your enemy bumps you and uh, you're in this big traffic jam, and um, you know, obviously I, I don't think they wanted, they were intending all that. But I think their intention was that they wanted to uh, end that self-bumping and all that fun stuff. And that, you know, like I said, how many times have you seen a Lambda Charles sit for four turns before it even got the, you know, game rolling? Because they're stamping and then, you know, it ships in front of them and then they're stamping again and all that fun stuff. Yeah, I, I have to say the one rule that I really don't like, though, is the only check in the last ship you'd hit at the end of the template 
And I completely agree with Jonathan that, you know, it does make sense where there is that very punitive potentially take a damage um, if you hit your own ship. And you could use that as a strategy with, uh, you know, just blocking up space. But it just seems like it's going to be a logistical nightmare having to mark things for, sure. for every single bump. I I don't know. Th- this rule, I... I hope that there's more to it than what they described on the stream because so far, every time they've described something a little like half-assed on this the stream, when they give us more detail, it makes a lot more sense, right? Like we all thought that that what they were saying was anytime you bump, you can just have a free focus. That's that's kind of how they described it in the the like the second to last stream, and then this last time they said no, no, it's if you're not stressed, then you can do like a, a red action, which as Jonathan said, right, like really could screw you up because now you can't turn around when your opponent potentially can. So it's it's a lot more consequential. I'm hoping that they just did a very poor job describing uh, this, you know, only checking the last ship you'd hit aspect, and they're going to give us a lot more detail next time because right now this is the one part I'm really not super into just because of all the time and and, and frankly, just arguments I think there's going to be about, well, oh, no, it, you know, it clips the corner here of this ship. Well, no, I, I don't think it does. I mean, it just, it really seems like a pain. Right, and that's what I was kind of saying about, like, you know, having to mark the ships and then putting your ship down and then putting every ship around your ship to see what overlapped it. And if any of your ships are in there, then it counts as hitting your own ship. And, and, and I... Almost even if that's how I would see it panning out. That uh, you literally just would basically execute the maneuver if any of your ships are overlapping and at that point, that uh, um, at that very point, then that's going to be the end result. So yeah, I don't think it's going to be like the train track where it's like you have to like sit there and push it and be like, oh, well, it's going to hit there or anything like that. Like, I think it's just you put the temple down, you place the ship, and then you put everything back down and you see what's, you know, if you can put everything back down. And if you can't, then it's technically overlapping, you know, your own ship or the enemy ship. Um, and, and like I said, I'd be confident to say that's what I'm anticipating at least. Yeah, and that I think would be fine. Like I said, I just, I feel like they didn't describe it in sure uh, the type of detail that X-Wing players require. Right, 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 right. Um so again something that's completely new to the game and uh we'll see how it pans out especially with uh with scenario play i mean it could be another big thing where like people will say you know with scenarios might be trying to camp an objective and you know it might come into you know it might come in handy that like you know you do pump a self like what if you have like a a low level vcx that can't afford to self bump but it's going to sit on an objective for an extra two turns like maybe it's not a bad thing um so uh, we'll see we'll see how it actually like pans out oh man is the vcx the she the p got reprinted right yeah the and the vcx is reprinted yeah, but is the attack shuttle technically black box? Nope. No. Uh, okay. Um, okay. So let's move on, uh, and we can close out right after that. So real quick, formats. Uh, when we say black box, anything that's in standard format now will be anything that's been repeated, right? Reprinted for second edition and extended as the whole entire list. 
Uh, we know there's a band list coming out uh, with Insemination being on it, and we'll, I'm sure we'll get that when we get points and everything and everything on it. But we'll close out on this final topic with attacking at range zero. And, um, okay, so just recapping what it is, you can attack at range zero. However, if you are attacking a ship at range zero, you can't, the attacker cannot modify any of the dice. Um, the defending um, can still modify their dice. You get no range bonus, so it's basically just you roll your printed dice and that's it. I'm not sure how I feel about this yet. Uh, Brett, I will say one thing that I was watching one of your games and it was kind of like, you didn't have a shot because everything was out of arc and you were bumping a ship in front of you. And it was kind of like, it did slow down in the game, I guess, a little bit because, you know, there there wasn't anything there. But I mean, like at the same time, uh, a, a bump didn't happen because, or a bump happened and like the defender wouldn't have any kind of way to modify their dice to begin with. So it, it's kind of like just red dice, dice versus green dice. And we know red dice usually wins in that case. So it's like, yeah, you know, I never think like, you know, well, if you have other shots, you should probably take them. But I think at the same time, scenarios like that are going to happen where, like, you're not going to have a shot except for that single one. And I think the attacker usually wins in that. Yeah. So even just like a three naked dice versus <laughs> three defense dice and a focus, and you're still averaging like 0.3 hits. Um, right. So that's. 0.3 damage that you would not have otherwise been able to get. Um, and when you drop that down the, to, you know, two defense dice, which is probably more common, now you're above half a half a damage. So yes, I agree. These attacks are not going to be hitting for massive amounts, probably, but, uh, you know, these these little damages <laughs> There's going to be times... <laughs> right, there's going to be times like, when you just natty three hits, and it's going to be like, okay... Uh, and then they, you blank out like, ah, I, I mean, I yeah. get what they were trying to do, but I, I think at the same time, I think they were underestimating um, some of it. Yeah, right, those natty three crits that go into a fuel leak, or a whole breach of fuel leak and a direct hit are going to be really rough. <laughs> so, well, yeah, like, I mean, like, and I know people are, like, you know, mathematizing and being like, ah, oh, well, the odds are against you, but... It's definitely speeding up the game, and uh, maybe that's okay. And because they did say that they were getting rid of half points in, in everything except for the dogfighting scenario, right? So also those, you know, like, little damages that sneak through are not quite as as uh, harmful because you don't need to worry about that half-point threshold. But, yeah, I, I, I mean, I feel like they did it in a fine way. I'm glad that they made it so you can't modify dice, like, you... I, I do understand that this is really nothing that you want to do. It's essentially a, an unmodded range two shot, which we all know is not really the best shot you can have. But um, have you seen my red dice? <laughs> I have. <laughs> um, so yeah, I don't know. I don't. I don't love it, but I. I don't hate it. It's just. Yeah. It's like it's fine. Whatever. It's it's a rule, I guess. Yeah. Uh, I'm on the fence. Like, I'm gonna live with it. I'm gonna play with it. But uh, I think it's something we could have done without. That's my hot take. Yep, makes sense to me. I think they just really didn't <laughs> like that it was a found mechanic of, uh, you know, damage mitigation. The whole bumping thing. Right. 
And uh, yeah, I, I think they've basically said that if you have um, any kind of way of attacking at range zero, you still get your attack bonus, uh, the range bonus, and um, you can modify your dice. Like, did I? Am I making that up? No, no, you're right. So, like Arvel, for instance, I think they were talking specifically yeah. about Arvel. Like, he'll be treated as attacking at range one, and he'll be able to modify his dice, even though he's actually at range zero. So, I mean, there's that. and Everything's fine. Yeah, like if, <sighs> All right. If those uh, are, like, our, our worst rules, like, um, I'm kind of okay with it. It's different, it's new, yeah. but it's it's still probably X-Wing. It's X-Wing. All right. Uh, I think that's going to do it. Any other final comments? Cool. Nothing All right. Uh, no. I want to thank everyone that came out to PAX. Uh, thank you so, so much. I think it was a great success. Uh, I hope you guys had a blast. And like I said, uh, maybe next year we will try a different format. Or maybe do the same format. Oh, who knows? Um, but thank you. Thank you so much for coming out. Uh, it was a blast. And um, on that note, we uh, do have some more stuff in the works. Um, just stay tuned. Like I said, I think we're probably going to wait until... Uh, the rules are finalized and come out before we release a new episode. So um, just hang tight and we'll be in the talks. But again, thank you for listening and have a great night.